Good evening, how are you doing tonight? Good, God is good, huh? What amazing, amazing testimonies we've heard tonight. While you're standing, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are evident and in our midst. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight. Father, we've already received so richly, but God, I pray that you would put a great deposit of faith in our spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Grab a seat. Tell the person next to you you're incredibly good looking tonight. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. I have to get your attention back. <laughs> I can tell I love this church already. You've already talked about what's for dinner. Uh, I'm right at home, including cheesecake. This is great. Not only do you have dinner here, you have dessert. And seriously, your band and your team that have been singing and ministering up here, they are rock stars. Like, seriously, they're incredible. You guys are so talented. And uh, those harmonies and the items, just absolutely stunning. And whoever is your sound person, big ups to them because your sound is amazing and uh, absolutely incredible. But it really is a joy, a delight, and an honor to be with you all. Thank you for having me, and um, I've been so looking forward to being here with you all. Uh, your pastors, I want to just take a moment and honor Pastor Tark and Adrian Barner. Seriously, these two, I'm sure you all know, but they are legends around New Zealand and the world. And my husband John and I have been just so inspired by their lives, by their ministry. Not only have they faithfully served the church, but they've done it full of the Spirit, their whole journey. And such inspirational leaders, uh, Pastor Tark, Pastor Adrian, want to honor you as a man and a woman of God with uncompromising strength and uh, truly two such inspiring leaders. So thank you so much for all you do to further the church in New Zealand, building the church here and around the world globally. Love and honor you so much. And uh, as I was on the plane, I, um, I, I got to catch up with Pastor Tark and Adrian in Queenstown about a year ago. And I again just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, speaking that there is another wind coming. There is another wind coming on both your life and on this ministry and on this house. And I, I felt such a conviction about it. And I had a picture as I was on the plane of your church and your house, and I saw coming out from this house arrows, and that God said, this is an apostolic house of sending of arrows, and with this fresh wind that is coming, there will be more wind behind the arrows. They're going to fly faster, they're going to fly further, they're going to have a greater impact because the wind drives them to land with force and strength. And as I saw this picture, and then I pulled out your vision statement, it says, called as an apostolic influence, as an arrow of truth. How about that? How about that? So there we are. God is uh, truly setting you up as an apostolic house, and I see many more people being released as arrows and a fresh wind sweeping through this church in Jesus' name. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Hey, but just before I get into the message that God's laid on my heart for you tonight, I also just wanted to honor my mum and my dad are here. Uh, that Give us a wave. That's my dad, Ewan, and my mother, Helen. And... Uh, they are the two of the greatest parents a girl could ever have, and uh, 
I, I get my integrity and hard work from my dad and my, my joy, joy to vive and uh, zaniness and love of life and people from my mum. So two of the greatest people you could hope to meet and uh, so lovely that you guys came to hear me. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I brought my own fan club. <laughs> You know, so if you don't like me, mum and dad are here, so I'm, I'm going to be just fine. Isn't that good? All right. Well, tonight, uh, I'm going to get right into this message tonight. I wanted to share about faith. And we've been talking about how to fight battles tonight, which I think is so fitting because there's a way that we fight as a Christian, and that is through our faith. And I wanted to talk specifically about the language of faith, that faith is a language that we are to speak. So I'm going to start by reading tonight in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Have you ever felt like you were trying to talk to somebody, you were trying to have a conversation, and it felt like they were speaking a completely foreign language? It's like what they were saying, you couldn't connect with at all. Well, I have an 11-year-old son. It's like somebody who permanently speaks a foreign language. He got into something called Pokemon and Clash Royale, and all of a sudden, I had no idea what he was talking about. He was talking about Pokeballs and Pikachus and Electro Wizards and, and Elixir and all these things, and his eyes would light up. And you know, because I love my son, I really wanted to connect with him. I wanted to speak his language. So what did I do in order to connect with him? I Googled. I Googled. Thank God for Google. And I Googled Pokemon and uh, Clash Royale, and I Googled how to play these games, and I watched YouTube tutorials I did on how to play Pokemon, and uh, I got it figured out. And I got down on his level and started to speak his language. You know, the Bible says that when we are a Christian, that we are what's called born again. We have a whole fresh new life, a fresh start in the world, if you like. Now, if you think about being born and, and being a baby, when we think of a child that's born, one of the first things that happen is the child acquires language. They start saying ma, ma, ma. Hopefully it's ma first, but usually it's da, 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 right? <laughs> What's with that? But the baby starts to speak bit by bit, and just as a baby is born, it acquires language. So it is of us as Christians when we become born again. We have a new language that we need to learn. It's a language of faith. It's a language of heaven. It's a language of hope. It's a language of promise. It's a language of possibility. It's not a language, my friends, of defeat. It's not a language of despair. It's not a language of doubt. But it's a language that God can come and do something. In the face of impossible odds, we speak a language of faith that brings heaven's possibilities to earth. See, we don't begin to speak an earthly language, we speak a heavenly language, and God wants us to learn to speak this language. You know, Lisa, Pastor Lisa Bevere, I'm sure many of you will know her, she said to me when we were last together, she said this phrase to me that so gripped my heart. She said, people do not inhabit lands, they inhabit languages. 
She's saying that the way you speak is where you live. The way you speak is where you live. How we speak shows where we are living right now. If we are speaking out of hope, we're living in faith. If we're speaking out of defeat, perhaps we've got a way to go in pursuing everything God has for us. But how we speak right now reflects where we are currently living. You know, the language of faith is a language of expectation. The first thing I want to say tonight is that there are three ways that we can speak this language. And the first way is discovering expectation. See, we understand that hope, we have faith and a hope that does not disappoint. And God wants us to understand that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. What we hope for will actually happen. What are you hoping for tonight? What are you thinking could actually happen? Are you speaking the language of hope in your life today? Do you have hope that God will come through for you? Like we heard in these testimonies tonight. I love the fact of the girl who said she hasn't seen it yet, but she knows it will happen. Because hope is the substance that something will actually happen. That's the language of faith right there, because faith sees it before it realizes it. And that's what we are to be, a people who speak out of expectation. You know, uh, many of you will know that my husband John and I started Arise Church uh, coming up 16 years ago. And uh, we were youth pastors here in Auckland for seven years, and then God called us to move to Wellington. We didn't know anybody in Wellington. I think I had a distant uncle that I never spoke to. But, you know, I mean, who has family relatives and you never talk to them, right? Yes, I had a distant uncle. But we were called to move to Wellington where we knew nobody, and we had to start again. And I was a bit nervous about that. I was a bit like, how am I going to have friends and social life as well as how are we going to reach people that we've never, ever met? And we didn't know anybody. And as I was praying one day, God spoke to me in a word that framed our expectation. And God spoke to me and said, I've sent you to reap where you have not sown. I've sent you to reap where you have not sown. And for John and I, what the Holy Spirit whispered in a moment of desperate prayer became something that framed our expectation. It framed our expectation. We went to Wellington with more than hope. We went with expectation that God would do something, that even though we hadn't sown into that city, that somehow there would be a harvest. And you know, what's happened in Arise is a testimony to the goodness of God, that we see hundreds of people make a decision for Jesus every single week, that God has literally moved in amazing ways. And we see that God did something that far exceeded even our expectation. But faith must be a language of expectation. You know, I was um, in Christchurch a couple of years ago, and I was in the middle of speaking, and I'm sure it would have been good, but um, Holy Spirit decided otherwise. And uh, I had to stop in the middle of my speaking, and um, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a woman in the room, and uh, you've given up hope that you could have a child. But God says, hope again. Hope again, trust him again. And I didn't know this, but the woman in the crowd, she grabbed hold of her husband and she could feel a fire burning in her body. And she said, this is for us, this is for us. And a very short time later, they became pregnant. And I I got to go uh, back down and I met their son. She walked up to me and she said, do you know, this happened when you were preaching and this is our son and we've named him Judah. 
You see, because faith is a language of expectation, and sometimes when hope dies, we have to allow the Word of God to ignite truth in our hearts that we would hope again. So I want to ask again tonight, what are you hoping for? What are you expecting? Faith will always have some kind of hope alive. Faith will always have some kind of expectation on the horizon. We're not settling for what we see today. Faith said it looks further ahead and thinks about what is possible. And a, and a funny twist, I was down again recently in Christchurch and this lady came up to me, this poor lady looking rather harried, and she said, you need to now pray for the Lord to close my womb. She said, four babies later, she said, I think we're done. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm leaving that up to the Lord. <laughs> but you know, we need to speak a language of expectation. I wanted to talk for a minute about what happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, she went to a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus and his buddies, they were invited to attend the wedding. And at the wedding, in the middle of all the festivities, the Bible says in John chapter 2 that the wine ran out. That's a bad situation for this couple. They're about to be humiliated and embarrassed. You are never to run out of wine in that kind of celebration. And the wine had run out, and Mary, Jesus' mother, she doesn't want them to be humiliated. And she comes up to Jesus, and the Bible says this, the wine supply ran out. So Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Jesus said, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now I'm telling you right now, that's a language of faith. That's a language of expectation. Even though she's come up to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you do something? And he's like, no, woman, speak to the hand. Any son's done that to your mum? No, mum, not right now. It's not my time. But the mother doesn't take it like that because she knows who her God is. And she knows her God doesn't leave people in humiliation. She knows her God has a heart of compassion. And so she says to the servants, with expectation, do whatever he tells you to do. She puts her mama voice on. She starts bossing those people around to that wedding. And I, you know, if you know Mary, you're like, yes, Mary. And uh, so they go and fill the jars. And if you know the story, what happens is that Jesus, even though he wasn't going to get involved, even though God didn't want to get involved, even though he wasn't ready to turn up and start doing miracles, because one person spoke the language of expectation, God's mind was changed. And he had to get involved. See, when we begin to speak out our expectation, God can't help himself. God can't help himself when a hope-filled, faith-filled people begin to speak out of expectation. He just has to get involved. And Jesus turned the water into wine with such abundance that they were overflowingly blessed as they began their married life. See, God takes our expectation, and when we speak it out, somebody in this room, you've got to speak out the expectation. can't just keep it on the inside. Mary said, do whatever he tells you. She went and gave out. The word on the street was that Jesus could do something. And as we begin to speak that expectation, change can happen. The second thing tonight is that faith is a language of declaration. Faith is a language of declaration. We see in Hebrews 11.3 that I read at the start, by faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. See, he didn't think it into being. He didn't intercede it into being. He didn't fast it into being. (laughs) At his command, at his spoken word, the invisible became visible. 
Something amazing came out of the words that God spoke. And just as God spoke to create, he created us to speak to create as well. And his words are framing our world as much as our words frame our world. We think about that. You know, um, John and I, when we were youth pastors, I don't know why they never really pay youth pastors much. You should be nice to Helen. (laughs) I'm sure she's very well blessed here. But we were poor, struggling youth pastors. And literally, we would get like silver coins in the letterbox. And it was like, yes, we can put petrol in the car. This is a good day. (laughs) And uh, we were, you know, stewarding what we had, but it wasn't like things were flowing. And uh, John says to me, oh, Jillian, we've got to have this couple over for dinner. We've got to have this couple over for dinner. And I was like, okay, but uh, just so you know, we've got one chicken left and a whole lot of vegetables, and that's it for the week. So, you know, I'm not too sure that this is going to work because I'm not a vegetarian. (laughs) Anyone with me, I eat meat. And I wasn't too, too keen on the fact that we weren't going to have enough meat for the rest of the week. And John goes, don't worry, baby. I, I really believe we've got to do this. We're going to sow that chicken. <laughs> if you know my husband, it's typical John. We're going to sow that chicken. Not going to eat it. We're going to sow it. And so I cooked that chicken up real good. I cooked it up crispy skin with olive oil. And I raided the council garden for their herbs because I can't get herbs to stay alive, but the council gardeners are brilliant. And, uh, you know, especially in Auckland, the herbs are amazing. And so I took all their herbs and put it on the chicken and put a little lemon in it and away we cooked it. And I cooked it up far too good because every little last drop of chicken was gone. Not even the wings. You know how people don't eat the chicken wings and surely there would be wings left over for my lunch tomorrow. Every single scrap of that chicken was devoured. So I was a little disappointed about that, but I was like, okay, we sowed the chicken. That's all right. And as I was leaving for work the next day, into our driveway came a white van Remember, faith is a language of declaration. And as this white van pulled up in our driveway, a man says, oh, I've got a delivery for Cameron. And we're like, yes, that's us. <laughs> what are we? we weren't expecting anything. And, he, and we said, what is it? And he said, I've got, I've got nine frozen chickens for Cameron. <laughs> we're like, wow. <laughs> we're in the chickens. <laughs> Who knows? We had a lot of chicken. But, you know, sometimes I think... An opportunity comes along for us to speak the language of faith, and we somehow we miss it. See, I sort of sometimes muse on that and think, if John hadn't seen it as an opportunity to sow, would we have reaped? But because he declared we're going to sow it, we saw a reaping come in our lives. And I think as Christians, this is the language that we are to activate in our lives. If we're going to fight this Christian fight, we're going to live life how God wants. See, in Luke 17 verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Who would like your faith to increase? I think we all would, wouldn't we? That's the goal, is that we have a maturing and increasing faith. And the apostle said to Jesus, how do we increase our faith? And Jesus says, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. See, I love that. He doesn't say spend hours in prayer. He doesn't say, you know, again, fast. He says, if you could say. See, faith is a spoken language. Jesus wants us to understand that the way that we speak will create a breakthrough. The way that we speak will cause a spiritual force to be unleashed. The way that we speak appropriates what is in heaven and releases it on earth. 
See, heaven has already got those abundances waiting, but sometimes it's our very words that are holding back what God wants to release. And if we would begin to declare what could be, if we would say to the mountains in our lives, they could be moved. Maybe there's a mountain, maybe there's an obstacle, maybe there's a challenge tonight. Maybe there's a situation that is challenging you. It's time to speak the language of faith and declare that the mountain could move in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, there was a Roman centurion who understood the spiritual principle. He met Jesus, and Jesus is blown away by this man. He says, man, this guy's got great faith. But the Roman centurion, he had a sick servant, and he'd come to ask Jesus to pray for his sick servant. And every other instance in the Bible, people are taking Jesus with them. Jesus is coming with them to their house, and he's entering into the room and putting his hands on them, or he's right next to them. But the Roman centurion understands faith, and he understands spiritual authority. He says, I I don't need you, Jesus, to come to my house. If you say the word, if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. See, faith is a spoken language. It's a declaration. And when we begin to declare what it could be, God unlocks something in the spirit realm over our lives, and what was not possible becomes possible. What was blocked becomes an open door, as we sang tonight. God wants to open the doors in our lives, but we've got to start to activate it through our faith. Some mountains in this place have got to move tonight. Do you believe that? Some obstacles have got to move because we're going to be a people of faith that expect God would do it and declare that He could do it. You know, we've got to align our language with, the, with the, what God says to see something come to pass. John and I uh, got invited to go to Europe when we were the youth pastors. So as you can imagine, the budget was the same. Europe back then was even more expensive. Uh, it was way more expensive than it is now. It's kind of cheaper to go to Europe. It's quite good. But we got invited to go, and we felt very strongly that we should go. But we didn't have the funds. And so we weren't being silly. We were, we were wise, and we asked people, and we prayed about it. And we really felt strongly that we should go. And John just, again, in his John way, declares, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And look, I just want to say, (laughs) it wasn't a flippant throwaway comment. He really did believe it was God's will for us to go after prayer and, and asking for advice from our pastor and so on. And so... We went, we, we borrowed money, and uh, you know, we had living by faith and living by parents, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> they were good bank accounts for us. And so we went into a little bit of debt to go, but again, it was in faith that we went. And when we came back, you know, we didn't quite know how it was going to work out, but we weren't adverse to hard work, and we knew that God would provide. If God's will, it was God's bill. We'd declared in faith that He would provide. About two weeks after we got home, a friend rang up and they said, hey, um, God's been speaking to me about giving you some money for about three months. We're like, great, that's a long wait. <laughs> three months, good that you're so fast in obedience. And, uh, but no, we didn't say that, we just thought it. And uh, we said, well, come over, we're free. <laughs> come right on over. And what do you do when someone's going to give you money? You cook them breakfast. And this is before the days of all this buckwheat pancakes and healthy stuff. We did French toast, bacon, lashings of maple syrup, loads of butter. It was the good old-fashioned stuff that no vegan would look twice at these days, right? (laughs) What is with that? And uh, so we cooked him up the real stuff. He comes over, and we have breakfast. And then finally, the final moment comes. He hands over this envelope, and we're like, oh, it's better not be potpourri. 
Better not be, you know, like what grandma used to send, a hanky. It's always disappointing. You're like waiting for that $20 note from grandma and it's a hanky. That was a downer. <laughs> my mum has never done that to my kids. Thank you. That's so good. You know, they've never had the experience of opening an envelope and getting a hanky. I mean, seriously. No doubt they're going to be retro soon too. Save the planet, get a hanky. But anyway, um, so <laughs> there's the envelope. We're like, Bye. Bye, see you later. And then they, as soon as they're gone, yep, they're gone. We tear open the envelope and we looked in the envelope and guess what? It was the exact amount the trip had cost us, $9,000, exact amount. See, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If we declare a language of declaration according to his promises and according to his purposes, he will provide. If we're in his will, he will provide. But sometimes we're not seeing his provision because we're not declaring what could be. God wants us to speak this language and appropriate by faith what he has available for us. The third and final thing is that faith is a language of promises. Faith is a language of promises. See, Hebrews 11.11 says this. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, although she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. See, all the greats of faith, they live tenaciously clinging to their promises. Oh, somebody in this room, we've got to be tenacious, not give up at the first sort of hiccup along the way, yeah? I think there's some of the older generation have got a lot to teach us, younger generation, because we just give up so easily. We're just saying to Pastor Adrian, they're about to celebrate 40 years of marriage next year. I'm like, that's love and commitment. But this generation, we just, as soon as it gets hard, we're like, oh, it's too hard, just give up. No, faith is a language of promises. And we hold to the promise even when we don't see it coming to pass. That's the whole point. Our faith is seen in its value. The value of faith is seen as much in the waiting as it is in the reception of the promise. Abraham's faith was valuable because he waited 99 years for the son of promise. And sometimes we've got to hold to the promise of what God has. Don't settle for Ishmael along the way to the promise that God has. Hold fast for Isaac that is on the way. If God has promised it, God will do it. He is not a liar. He has not changed his mind. Our God always stands true to his word and true to his promises. Somebody in this room, this is a word today where God has given you a promise and you've begun to lose hope. No, hold to hope, hold to expectation, cling tenaciously to the promise God has. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The amen is spoken by who? Us. See, I believe, I believe that promises come on our lives from heaven. God gives each one of us a great and a precious promise for whatever we are facing and whatever we have to do in our lives. I believe the promises reside over us, but they are not activated unless we say amen, unless we enter into agreement with what God has promised us. We won't see it activated and fulfilled. See, promises are waiting, but we've got to say, yes, I agree. Yes, the promise of God. We've got to do the amen, and it's got to be spoken out loud. This is the promise God has, and I believe it, and I declare it, and I expect that it will come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. You know, as we agree to what God has for us, we unlock His possibilities. We unlock His possibilities. Uh, we have a, a woman in our church, and her name is Julie. 
And Julie experienced an incredible uh, miracle just a couple of years ago. She, it was December, and she was told that she had cancer. And she was told she had about six weeks to live. It was so invasive and had spread so through her body, there was nothing they could do. It was inoperable. Now, the reality was her sister had died just the year before from a very similar cancer. So as soon as she heard it, her whole family was filled with fear and went straight into mourning. The doctors had said to her, it's time to say your goodbyes. And she started not being able to walk because the tumors were at the base of her spine and all down her, all down her spine and at the base of her brain. And so she went to Christchurch Hospital and she was in Christchurch and my husband, John, felt like he needed to go down and pray for her. And so he flew down to speak at Christchurch, and he, he went to the hospital where she was. And he's in the room, and the doctors are saying, say your goodbyes. She's going to have a biopsy the next day just to confirm everything. They've got the scans. They already know what they're looking at, but they were just going to do some, some quick having some research on her. And he's in the hospital, and he speaks. He begins to pray for her, and he says to her, Julie, I believe that the Lord is saying that every doctor's report is going to be better than the last. Oh, it doesn't sound like a good prophecy, does it? Doesn't really sound like a word from God when the doctors are saying you're dying. You haven't got, we can't do anything. We can't give you treatment. We can't remove the tumor. This is it. And John says, hang on a second, because the Lord spoke to him, every doctor's report will be better than the last. At the time, Julie says, I feel a fire up and down my body. She hadn't walked at that point for about a month because of the tumors had restricted her movement. She said, I've got, to, I've got to move, I've got to move. And she got up out of the bed and stood up for the first time in a month. We didn't know if anything had happened, but we knew that God had touched her life. We knew that God had touched her life and God gave her a promise because faith is a language of promises. And she took hold of that promise and she began to cling to it. She went in the next day for the biopsy, which was meant to take two hours. She was in there for over eight hours and her husband was beginning to worry and we were getting prayer texts and we were praying for her. And when she came out of the operation, Ivan asked the doctors, he said, what, what happened? And they said, well, when we went in, we were, we were looking because we can see all the tumors in the scan. But when we opened her up, we could not find a single tumor. We were searching for eight hours for the tumors. The doctors were puzzled because they said, we couldn't find the tumors, but we could see nerve damage where tumors had been. How amazing is our God? Do you know the doctors wouldn't let Julie go for another month? They wheeled her in for scans every week. They couldn't explain it. They couldn't understand it. They didn't want to believe it, that God had done a supernatural miracle of healing. They wouldn't release her for a month. But she was healed and every doctor's report was better than the last. And she was declared cancer free. All glory to God. Come on, let's give him some praise. He is a good God who moves through promises. 
I believe in this room there are people and it's time to begin to declare this new language. Some of us, we haven't realized we've got to acquire faith as a language. It's a language of expectation. It's a language of declaration. And it's a language of promises. I'd love it if the worship team, if they come or the keyboardists could come right now because I believe that there are people in this room and it's time for us to get our faith activated. It's time for us to take hold of what God has already promised us and begin to declare it. You might be in this room and you're like, Jillian, you're talking about promises and that faith is a language of promises, but what does this mean? Do I need to try to go home and figure out what are the promises of God? <laughs> like, if you're like me, you're like freak out and you think, I don't know what the promises of God are. What are the promises of God? <laughs> and uh, maybe you could Google that, you know, what are the promises of God? I think you'd be up all night trying to read them. <laughs> it's quite a few. The truth is, we don't need to know all the promises of God. We just need to know the one we need. God has one we need, and that's what we declare, and that's what we claim, and that's what we believe for, and that's what we pray for. You know, in this room, I believe there are people, and you're feeling like that hope is gone. Come on. Let faith ignite. Let hope come to life. Our God is a God of hope. Our God is a God of new beginnings. Our God is a God of an empty tomb. Our God is a God who risen and was resurrected and His resurrection life lives within us. His Holy Spirit power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within our mortal bodies, giving life to it. Oh, if that's not hope, what is? The eternal immutable Spirit of God is living within us. Oh, that should give somebody pause. That should give us hope to believe for what is impossible. In the face of all odds, the Holy Spirit comes and He says, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to live within you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Take courage and begin to see that we have to speak a different language, a language of hope, of expectation, of declaration, and hold fast to promises. Would you stand across this room tonight? I believe my time is done, but I want to finish by praying for you all tonight. I'm praying that hope would rise in hearts, that faith would come alive, that some of us would begin to declare, even though you might feel silly. Look, faith is foolish because it's not things of this world, it's things of heaven. Faith seems foolish to the world, but not to God. God gets excited when people put faith into their speech. But I believe there are people here and it's time to ignite hope. It's time to ignite expectation. Some of you have got promises residing on your life and it's time to say amen to them. Would you just close your eyes in this place for a moment? Holy Spirit, you're here. Holy Spirit, you're here. By the power of your Holy Spirit right now, let faith be activated. Let hope rise. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. Father, I pray right now that hope would no longer be deferred, but hope would come to life. Father, where hope was lost, let hope be restored in your house. In Jesus' mighty name right now. Hope again, go again, believe again, hold fast to faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. There's somebody here who's given up hope of finding a marriage partner. God says, hope again, hope again. The promise is on the way, the promise is on the way. Somebody here has given up hope of the healing in their body and I declare He is the Lord God who heals you. He is the Lord God who heals you and by His stripes you are healed. I speak over that knee right now, that right knee. I speak over that foot in Jesus' Name, full movement and restoration through the power of Jesus Christ. And I declare that you will walk and not grow weary and you will run and not grow faint. But Father, over every life right now, why don't you begin to open your mouth and begin to pray what you need to pray tonight. 
What do you need to speak out of expectation? What do you need to declare? What promise are you needing to claim? Just begin to speak and pray for just a moment, would you, over your own life. Say amen to the promise that resides. Say amen to the Holy Spirit. Walk in agreement with the Spirit of God. Let Him overshadow your life right now and fill you with fresh faith, fresh faith, birthing things, birthing things, birthing things. In Jesus' Name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, just as we're bringing this to a close, and I'm passing back to Pastor Tark. If you're here saying, Jillian, my hope is low, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. I need fresh fire. I need fresh expectation. I need to begin to speak this language. Just lift your hand right now. Father, I thank you for your saints. I thank you for your saints. And I declare the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. I declare the boldness of the Holy Spirit. By the power of God, let them step forth as a man and a woman of God to claim the promises of God, to speak this language. Father, unlock their tongue, open their eyes, open their ears, and let the speech of the Holy Spirit be poured forth from their lives. This language of heaven, this language of heaven. Father, all despair goes, all the doubt goes, and faith and confidence found in trusting in You. Let it fill their lives and fill their hearts to overflow in the mighty Name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship God for a moment. Let's worship Him.